0: Listening to my talks lately, you might have noticed there's a theme in them where I'm kind of dealing with my own koan in a way. And that is how we, we make sense of seem to have choice and intentions in what we do, and yet our lives also being determined by things which are perhaps outside of our control and other circumstances, and how do we understand that in terms of Dharma practice? So I've titled this The Right Intention Karma Kala. Hmm. That reminds you um, a a teaching which uh, I've never actually taught here before, but which I came across recently when I went to Melbourne. Um, I wasn't that familiar with it. But it's a Buddhist teaching called The Five Recollections. Um, the practice of the five recollections was recommended by the Buddha as a way to remember the truth of change and develop peace with this truth. The first recollection is, I'm of the nature to age, I have not gone beyond aging. I'm of the nature to experience illness, I've not gone beyond illness. I am the nature to die, I have not gone beyond death. All that is mine beloved and pleasing, shall one day be parted from me, shall one day vanish. And the last one, A karma. <clears throat> I am the owner of my actions, heir to my actions, born of my actions, related to my actions, supported by my actions. Whatever action I shall do, of that action I shall be the heir, which shows that Buddhist practice has a very strong emphasis on our choices and our intentionality and what we do and how it shapes our life and how it shapes our sense of happiness. And as you may have heard me mention before, when we look at various other ways that people have of making sense of their life, um, people can have a more fatalistic view. It's just in the hands of God. It's just the way it is. Uh, It's just things are just determined and I have no choice over it or it's all in the lap of the gods they're just kind of capricious and they just a matter of luck whether good things happen to me or bad things happen to me and our more contemporary ways the way our more more contemporary thinking is heading and this is starting to be debated in psychology which is a big influence on the way that we understand our behaviour is that um our behaviour more and more is being explained in terms of causes which are outside of ourselves our genetics, genetic inheritance our childhood experiences the sociological influences on us which are there and there's not so much an emphasis placed these days um, on what our, our conscious intentions are and our choices and how much that shapes our happiness And it's always been the the Buddhist perspective that's very strongly come down on the perspective that (coughs) our intentions um, are are very primary and very central to what creates our our happiness or well-being in the world. And that we're not just, it's not just to do, certainly it doesn't deny that there there are outside circumstances which are not under our control, like if we get a particular illness or not. Um, but it's how we respond to those circumstances and deal with them and learn from them and to see that our, 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 our sense of uh, a more more consistent sense of well-being comes from within us rather than it's reliant on the outside. So it's really important to look at these things not just in a philosophical sense but to see how it really impacts on our, our everyday life and how we, how we live our lives. It's also um, important to recognise that we might have conscious intentions. We might have conscious intentions to to do good things. Uh, We can also have conscious intentions to do negative things, you know, that can come out of resentment or spite or revenge and things like that. And um, sometimes people feel like they have uh, good intentions in what they're doing, like someone I feel like they've got a good intention in helping people all the time, you know, but they tend to be over helpful. And the unconscious intention, when it's sort of brought to light, is um, to to do good excessively, do good things for other people, so my my need of my my fear of abandonment will be met. Mm-hmm. For example. Now, to bring this, instead of just being abstract about this, I want to bring this down into real-life situations that actually can occur in our lives, in relationships and so on. The first one I want to um, bring to mind, because it's, it's a very... Um, it's, a, it's a vivid memory for me that I have of um, my great-great-great-grandfather, who I might have mentioned before, um, was one of the, the first white settlers in the Stroud-Gloucester area, Port Stephens area, where we do session. And there's a story from one of his books called The Present State of Australia, where he had a lot of day-to-day interaction with Aboriginal people, like first-hand interaction. And the story was is that there was an Aboriginal woman who he knew well, who was getting beaten up by her husband and other other people in the tribe, you know, quite viciously, um, hit on the head with a club and so on. And he came in to protect her and he stopped it and he took this woman away under his protection to live in his house for about a week, you know, so they wouldn't bash her up. Eventually he had to let her, you know, go. And she went back into the, into the community and because the um, men in the tribe had lost so much face with him um, for what they'd done, you know, and made things worse, they bashed her up even more, right? So that the consequence of his... You could say he was someone with a good intention to stop harm, but as a consequence of his good intention, he actually ended up making things worse, So life is complicated, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And... um, we don't always know where our intentions are going to lead. Now, I'd imagine if I put myself in, in his shoes and I saw the consequences of that, I'd have to really seriously think about what I did next time and learn from that experience as, of, as to what would be a wise course of action. Because if I just keep repeating what I'm doing, next time it comes up, another woman's going to be bashed three times as much, right? Life isn't, life isn't simple. You know, they it's very complex. But we do need to... the idea of karma in Buddhism, you know, it, is that um, it's really the intention in what we do is the important thing, you know. And uh, if, as long as we've had a good intention, the Buddhist idea is that we're not creating bad karma. Um, but the whole idea of mindful, practicing mindfulness and practicing the Dharma it's not just to have a good intention, but our, our mindfulness needs to be along the lines when this happens, that happens. Like we're following through the karma, cause and effect of things. Not just one thing, not that, just, well, I'm a noble person because I've got a good intention. When this happens, that happens. When this happens, that happens. So if my great-great-great-grandfather was practising mindfulness, he would have gone, well, when I did this and tried to protect her, it got worse. We've got to look at that, you know, and it's got to be examined. I'll give you another example of a story I heard recently too, of um, a couple where um, a woman got very upset because um, he was having some drinks with his friends and... and, and uh, as the friends start the male friend started drinking more. He started to criticise his fiance, this woman um, about all the negative things she was doing as a partner you know and the, all the, all the, all the bad things he did she did to his friend and During this conversation the um the um, man who was engaged to this woman to be married kind of saw this conversation going on between his future wife and the friend. And kind of sat there like a rabbit in the headlights, not knowing what to do, and it went on and on. And then later he found out that um, she was very, very upset about him not backing her, you know, and supporting her as his future wife. And um, and when she mentioned this to him at a later date, he, he said, "Yeah, but it wasn't my intention to to hurt you." It was kind of a defensive response, and she was very upset at his defensive response. And um, so it went on from there. See, these things are complex, right? But in in interpersonal relationships, it's not good enough to have good intentions. It wasn't his intention to harm her, right? But by doing nothing, she felt as though she wasn't being supported, you know? that he wasn't giving her a priority as his future partner. Um, but it seems like in, in these complex um, human interactions we have is that we're, we're, if you reflect on it, we're nearly always at some level trying to perceive what another person's intention is. Whether it's in friendship or relationships or business or whatever, is it good intent or bad intent? Is it selfish intent or not selfish intent? Is it unconscious? Is there is there apathy or ignorance there? And this person doesn't know what they're actually doing. We're always we're actually trying to assess this all the time. So this is not something abstract, it's something that actually occurs in our, in our interactions all the time. And it would seem to me that if we bring a Dharma approach to this, that it's it's not good enough just to be in a defensive place and say well it wasn't my intention to harm you when it actually did actually harm someone. So it's not enough just to be defensive about good intentions and but on the other on the other side of the person who's on the um, suffering the negative consequence of someone's actions like this woman who's a fiance about to marry this man um, it's it's not an it, it, it also needs to be acknowledged in human conflict that someone didn't necessarily have a bad intention or maybe it is they just didn't know what to do right and that needs to be acknowledged as well so for for a good learning, experience to come out of something like this one one person needs to acknowledge the harmful impact their their behavior or non-behavior had on someone else and the other person has to also needs to acknowledge that it didn't come from a bad intention there wasn't a deliberate conscious intent to make someone feel bad you know? so we're imperfect human beings right? and so being able to acknowledge things on both sides can be a way of of moving forward. When we look at um, intention and impact, uh, intention and karma if we want to use that word, um, one of the ways we look at the precepts from a Zen point of view can be applied to the way that we look at this issue as well in terms of developing right intention, which is one of the eightfold level part, right intention, is you can look at it from a literal point of view um, in that we, we need to, be, as consciously as we can, develop... A good intention in what we're doing, um, that is as conscious as it can possibly be, and that we reflect on what our in, intentions are in the things that we do in our life. So, so in some so it's as conscious as we can possibly make it, because a lot of our intentions are unconscious. The second thing is, is that we are actually cultivating. Um, more and more empathy and more and more compassion um, for other people and other beings. So that we, instead of having just a a very narrow view of the world, the narrowest view of the world is I have empathy for me. You broaden that perspective and I might have empathy for me and my partner and family or my tribe you know, or the people I identify with politically, whatever, or the environment. But if we're, we're... In a sense, our deepest intention as a Dharma practitioner is that we have empathy for everything, mm. including ourselves, but we have we have a really large container. The bigger the container, the better, you know, the universe. We have an empathy for the universe. And um, And so it is important that we have conscious intentions. It's really important that our intention is based on having an identification with the empathy of everything or everyone in a situation. And then the one which is more difficult to understand when we look at the precepts, which is really looking at not just from a literal point of view or a compassionate, or empathic point of view, is the point of view of emptiness. And where we eventually get to, in practice, um, is that we don't do anything with any conscious intention at all. That's the one which is hardest to understand. There is a koan about this, as there is a koan about many things. Um, And I might have mentioned before, but a monk asked the teacher, how does um, Avalokiteshvara, the, the Bodhisattva of Compassion, use all those eyes and hands and legs at the same time? Because you know, you've got many arms and many legs, helping as many people as you possibly can to reduce suffering. And the teacher said, it's like um, moving your pillow in the night. What does he mean by that? what he's really just saying is that um, she does all these things and helps everyone so well um, because in a way she's unconscious about what she does she just does it because that's naturally what she wants to do is to help mm-hmm. in the right kind of way just like when you move your pillow in your night you're not conscious of it um, Robert Aitken as you know, who was one of my teachers wrote a book on Zen ethics called *The Mind of Clover*. And he was usually just using another metaphor. But when clover dies, it's very um, rich in nutrients for other other um, other plants. And uh, when it dies, it becomes a great nutrient for the soil, so other things can grow in it. It's got no unconscious intention to do that. It just <laughs> does it, right? Uh-huh. And what our practice is, it like, like doing, having an intent to do zazen every day and to do zazen Kai's in session. There's a, there is an intent to do that, mm-hmm. and the intent is to, to wake up, you know, and wake up wisdom and compassion. Um, and we have, to, it's important that we sow those seeds of good intent, right? rather than negative, in, negative intent. But if we keep consciously doing that, and we sow the seeds of good intent, you know, and compassion, um, and well-being for others, there's a point in that learning where it becomes unconscious. You know, and, and we don't have to think about doing it because it just naturally occurs. That's the point of view of emptiness. It's got its its basis in some ways in in some modern learning theories because there's a modern learning theory that where we first start off being um, unconscious of our incompetence. Um, We don't even realise we're making mistakes. And then we become conscious of our incompetence, like we actually realise we're making a mistake, like with Diana's work, you know, with our posture or whatever. At first, we didn't even realise we had b- bad posture. Then we realise we do, and then and then we actually um, develop conscious competence, right? We learn to have good poise and balance and so on, um, and it's a conscious thing that we do. And then we do it so much that it just becomes natural, it becomes unconscious. Um, We have unconscious competence. So you could apply that to Alexander technique or you could apply it to Dharma practice. So we we actually develop, first of all, we don't even realise we're doing things that are harmful. Then we realise that we are, and then we start to develop an intent to do things which are non-harmful and beneficial. And then eventually we do it so much that we just don't consciously are helpful and loving and kind in what we do. So we need need to see that whole process working its way out. Um, Part of my job, I suppose, part of my job as a psychologist is for people to become more conscious of what their intentions are, because a lot of it is unconscious um like the example I gave, some people are very codependent and over helpful and they think consciously they're just trying to help people. But when you when you go into it in more depth, there's a lot of insecurity around that helping. And the sort of the unconscious intention is if I help a lot of people they'll help me and they'll think I'm a good person they won't abandon me. Um, a whole lot of variations to that thing. Um, but by practising mindfulness of our, coming back to our body and our feelings and our watching our thoughts, we do that over and over again. Those unconscious intentions become much, much clearer to us. And so we develop more wisdom in what we do. But if I was to say what I would imagine our intentioning in in practicing Zazen and practicing the Dharma, it's with the intention of reducing suffering in ourselves and others, and it's with the intention of developing goodwill towards all beings, developing compassion towards all beings, developing joy towards all beings, and developing equanimity towards all beings. That would be our intention, our conscious intention. And if we keep doing this practice over and over again, then it becomes unconscious and we just do it naturally. Like clover. Mm-hmm. Which um, becomes a nutrient for other, other beings. Mm-hmm. In our practice principles, there's one of those which People sometimes tell me, they say that they're confused about. The first one is simple to understand. Caught in the self-centred dream and suffering. Holding to self-centred thoughts, or emotions for that matter, creates the dream. Um, Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. So just coming back to the way things just are. Now the last one is the one that often causes confusion for people. Being just this moment compassion's way. So why would just being just this moment create compassion? Right? It does when we've created the intention a conscious of the intention of um, creating well-being for ourselves and others. And the way we do that is by just turning up to the moment as it is. You know, if we, if we just practice turning up the moment as it is, what will naturally arise through doing that is compassion, empathy. That's a Buddhist understanding, it's also a modern psychology understanding. All the research into mindfulness demonstrates over and over again that when people practice mindfulness they develop empathy for other people. Why? We don't fully understand, but we know that it happens. Over and over again, the research demonstrates that. And Zen practitioners, Buddhist practitioners, just as if have intuitively understood that if you do this practice, you develop compassion. Don't even know how or why we do. But we do. We do it long enough. So just turning up to the present moment without necessarily any intention of doing good, we do good. (laughs) Remember.